In the family, husbands should forsake harsh or selfish leadership and grow in love and care for their wives. Wives should forsake resistance to their husband's authority and grow in willing, joyful submission to their husband's leadership. In the church, redemption in Christ gives men and women an equal share in the blessings of salvation. Nevertheless, some governing and teaching roles within the church are restricted to men. Those are, by my count, Affirmations 9 and 10 from the 1987-1988 Danvers Statement uh, put out by the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. They met in Danvers, Massachusetts. So if you didn't know where Danvers was, but comes up as a trivia question, you now know it is from Massachusetts. And it is interesting, by the way, this is the Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD on the FM at 99.9 HD2 and on the World Wide Web at WFMD.com. If you would uh, like to connect with the show, you can go to WFMD.com, find the Faith Debate page, or you can go to World, World, (laughs) change the name of my church all of a sudden, Household of Faith in Christ. Um, on the World Wide Web, householdoffaithinchrist.com, and you can link to the Faith Debate page through that as well and all sorts of other stuff uh, to our our, uh, our social media accounts, our video channels, Sermon Audio, Odyssey, all that sort of stuff, all sorts of good stuff at householdoffaithinchrist.com. Uh, on the panel this week, returning from last week, our Stephen Yerger uh, with the Shabbat Gathering, and I owe him an apology, which I'll explain in a second, and David Forsey, pastor of the, uh, the Multi-Location Church. Uh, that meets uh, in and around the area, g- given the week. But apparently the Shabbat gathering, Stephen Yerger's uh, church, they're also multi-location. So I, I, I didn't know that. They, they meet all over the place. Although I'm willing to bet neither one of your churches has ever met in Danvers, Massachusetts. That's correct. That is correct. See that? So <laughs> it is interesting. The Danvers statement is supposed to be, you know, a conservative thing. And so far it's a pretty conservative document. Uh, and it was put out in, or it was put together in Danvers, Massachusetts. <laughs> that bastion of conservative thinking, Massachusetts. <laughs> Once upon a time, though, it was, right? Home to the Puritans and all that. So it's amazing back, how back in the day, how know. times changed. I mean, we founding went documents. The, we went over the Chicago statements recently, which, you know. Yeah, Chicago is another. Yeah. We're conservative statements right. as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chicago is a, 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 a an, an island of uh, hardcore leftism and, and an otherwise sea of conservatism. I mean, Illinois is mostly red. But the population in and around Chicago is so massive compared to the rest of the state mm. that it's 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 not even close to being a purple state. It's a deep blue state because of the metropolitan Chicago land area. The same thing with Maryland. <laughs> yeah, Baltimore and Montgomery County and PG County, and that rules the rest of the state. Yeah, and increasingly, sadly, Frederick County is joining the list. Yes. You know, it's not quite as deep blue, but it's no longer a purple county. It's a blue county now. So we just have to come to grips with that reality <laughs> and proceed accordingly. I think we can't, we don't do ourselves any favors pretending that it's what it's not. We need to come up with the grips with the reality of what is it and then navigate forward from there. Mm-hmm. You got to be real, right? So, and here's a document, the Danvers Statement. It's trying to tell us how to be real. And part of it is that men should, shouldn't be harsh. They shouldn't be selfish. They should have love and care for their wives. Wives like hearing that. And wives, they should uh, not resist their husband's authority, and they should submit. They don't like hearing that. Uh, and um, in, the, in a church context, you know, men and women, they have an equal share in the blessings of salvation. However, there are some differences. There are roles that are reserved, according to the Bible, for men, um, not because men are better, to be honest, I would argue not because men are more capable. 
but because God and his providence has decided that's the way it would be best. There are women that are much more articulate, far more intelligent than a lot of the men I know. Based on skill level, there's no reason why they shouldn't stand up and preach. They know their Bibles and all that. But God says, I'm sorry, that's just not your role, and I've got reasons for that. And that's a hard thing in this society, particularly these days, but really over the last several decades, it's been a hard thing for our society to hear. Maybe a little deviation that part of the faith debate issue is you have the gifts that Paul talks about in Corinthians, and he says, all will prophesy, all will share an encouraging word, all may encourage. So for our audience, how do you define those gifts operating freely as God intended and yet staying within the system of God's declared order? Have any thoughts on that? I'm pausing because I think I mentioned last week I've, I've become self-consciously aware whenever there's a, a little bit of a dead spot in the show, my, my history in radio has taught me to avoid those like the plague, and so I jump in, but it doesn't let those who are a little bit more uh, thoughtful, pensive, uh, circumspect, uh, patient in formulating their thoughts than I am. Uh, it doesn't give them a chance to, to chime in, and I don't want to make this uh, a monologue, and so... Um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm setting, I have opinions. Thanks for buying me some time, Troy. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I, I have opinions. I'm not afraid to share them, but I'm trying to give everybody else a chance to really gather themselves. Uh, it sounds like David's ready to go. I, yeah, so, um, and I, I think this will sort of connect in, but uh, um, so in the in the Danvers statement here, uh, I guess number number nine is you have it. Maybe it's ten is you yeah, have it. Number nine. My, mine looks number a little nine. different. <laughs> number nine. But it says, in, in the church, uh, in the church, redemption in Christ gives men and women an equal share in the blessings of salvation. So um, I, I I don't know that we can, that we, that we should, I, I think some of these things are interchangeable here in the, because uh, they separate out. They say in the family, right, and then in the church. Um you know, and I, I think the roles of men and women are the same in the family and in the church. I don't, I don't think that the, uh, you know, you mean um, as, as 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 in in the sense of a hierarchy. That's what you mean. Like we don't, the, the women don't necessarily have to be the ones that um, that are cleaning up the church, but they might <laughs> taking care of the house, being in, being in charge of. Of, of the home and managing the home, they're not necessarily automatically then in charge of managing the church building, if the church has a church building. Or, or do you right. mean that, too? I well, maybe. I mean, I, I guess one of the things I think about here, right, is like the, um, you know, it, it looks like, you know, when we when we look at, you know, when in the statement when it says in the church, right, and it says, you know, nevertheless, some, some governing and teaching roles within the church are restricted to men. And um, I, I think that that in, in some ways is, is true in the home as well, where the, the, right, the husband, the father is to have the, they're supposed to be the primary teacher and discipler, right? The, the lead teacher, discipler in the home. At the very sure. least, the overseer. 
Right. Right. I, uh, he's not here, but uh, I like this turn of phrase, Imran Razvi, Raz Razvi to, to, to some. Uh, he's on this show pretty regularly. And, and he, in the context of talking about homeschooling, used a phrase that was really helpful. I think it fits here, too, where um, the father is the principal and the mother is the classroom teacher. So the mom might be the... like. It, the husband, the, the the father and husband can also be the teacher, but if he's busy at work and he's not home, and but he's still, even though the 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 mom is taking the leadership role in that moment, teaching the children, she still answers to the principal kind of thing, and so he should be involved in the, the curriculum, the direction that the family is going to be taught. Is going to be checking in with the wife. Hey, how are the kids doing in their class? Anything I can so help I, with? Yeah, I right? think, I think I that's think a helpful way of thinking. About directly it. involved, though, and and at least ought to be right. I, I think, you know, you look at Deuteronomy six and you know, what what fathers are fathers are called to be teaching their children. Right. Uh, no. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So and, maybe maybe I'm applying uh, Imran's phrase so, uh, too too spe- yeah, narrowly. Well, yeah. I mean, I you know I think he's talking about like some some specific aspects of right. of how to you know, how to operate in a godly way. Because I agree, because that is one of the problems, right? We like to farm things out. It, we're either farming them out to the youth group, we're farming them out to the uh, the, 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 the government-run uh, pagan school systems, or we're farming it out, if we're the dad, we're farming it out to the mom, you know, or we're farming it out to daycare. We're farm, we like to farm things out. So the dad needs to be involved. He should be directly, I agree 100%, should be directly involved in the leadership, the teaching, the spiritual formation you know, the training up and yeah. the way they should go. That that should definitely be very specific. So if you're a dad, <laughs> shape up. And and, I and mean, if you're already shaped up, good job. Keep it up. And one of I mean, one of the things that, um, you know, I mean, we we should rejoice in the things that God God gives us to do. And one of the things that that the that the feminist movement has sought to to take away from. Uh, Steve, I'm not, I'm not even really addressing what you brought up, but uh, we'll, we'll get around <laughs> to it. I'm sure. Um, uh, one of the things that the feminist movement took away is to say, hey, you know, women, you know, like bearing children isn't that important, right? It's not. In fact, let's let's create a way so, or, or multiple ways so that you don't have to do that anymore. Uh, and, you know, and, and God, God made, I mean, if I were to sum it up in, in one way, I would say, you know, God made men to, uh, to build, to build homes, to build communities, to build you know, in the world, and he, God made women to fill those places with life, right? Uh, with life, with with beauty, right? And uh, and you know, and I mean, men men cannot, you know, bear life in themselves. It, we we don't do that, you know. And so, uh, but but women can, and that is, you know, that that's the that that's the the thing that men are not given to do. And are not equipped to do. Yeah, it looks like you got your Bible open. Well, I'm just looking when you said Deuter- uh, Deuteronomy six, um, and I think here's a key component. Uh, now, this is the commandment and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, and that you might do them. Me meaning, the, you know, the, Lord, the Moses in the land which you are going over to possess, so that your sons and your grandsons may fear the Lord your God, and keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life. So there's a direct commandment here of influence and an actual direction from God to the fathers, to mm-hmm. your point. 
And the fear of the Lord is something it says in the scriptures, the fear of the Lord is clean and men depart from evil. If we fear the Lord and we walk in his ways and we respect what he has to say, then we're going to search the scriptures and see what is our role. What is the role of the, the dad, the mom, the children? And as I study the scriptures, I only find for children is obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. In the very, very young, 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 young children, it's not until you get older and you start becoming more of an adult and become more inter-integrated with the community, do some of the other commandments come in as your accountability and your understanding mature. So um, our families now, the kids especially, are being inundated with the internet and with all the stuff that's out there, whether it's good or whether it's bad, but there's an influence that's trending and almost on purpose, you know, because of the God of this world and the direction that he wants those young, impressionable minds to be influenced by. And that's why it's important as parents that we are able to walk in that influence so that they will be because I get it as a homeschool dad I had that weakness where I did farm stuff out at times and when I shouldn't have and I saw the direct effect that it had on my older children and I had to repent and I had to be re-engage and in be involved and um, that was a, a painful part of life but Look, if you don't raise your kids, somebody else will. And if you're farming out, because motivations are a big part of it, if you're farming out because you're, you're basically aiming to abdicate your responsibilities, that's bad. You should repent. If you're farming out because it's, it's a tool for training up, you're delegating. You're giving you know, somebody an opportunity to, to grow, to learn, to show themselves, to, to, to feel a sense of accomplishment. So uh, if you're picking your spots with wisdom... So the reason I'm mentioning that is because I think uh, some people that want to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do biblically uh, can overcorrect, and, they, and, and they're trying too hard, and they're squashing those around them because mm-hmm. they're doing everything. It's like, hey, let them do. They need to do, too. They need to learn how to do kind of let thing. Let them learn how to ride the bike. Yeah, let, and let <laughs> them fall down from time to time, you know, yeah. and, and realize that they're not going to, you know, die a horrible death from a skinned knee. You know what I mean? So... Well, you're trying to address a whole life's full experiences in a very limited amount of time, and to qualify everything, that becomes mm-hmm. cumbersome. And so you try to hear the gist of the spirit of what we're trying to convey and not hanging on the little nuances because we didn't maybe say it exactly right, right or whatever. But the heart is to, is to really get people to understand that if you stand back, somebody else is going to step yeah, let, in. Let, let's uh, do the next two, uh, which are... Uh, the second to last two, combination of two. In all of life, Christ is the supreme authority and guide for men and women so that no earthly submission, domestic, religious, or civil, ever implies a mandate to follow a human authority into sin. In both men and women, a heartfelt sense of call to ministry should never be used to set aside biblical criteria for particular ministries. Rather, biblical teaching should remain the authority for testing our subjective discernment of God's will. 
Uh, I'm going to give you guys a chance to gather your thoughts, and I'm going to share something that I was thinking about a second ago. It's not exactly in, in connection to this, but it's related to the broader topic. I can only imagine some uh, some grinding teeth with this topic uh, among someone who's listening to what we have to say and really frustrated that they can't jump in here and just give us the business because we're wrong about this or wrong about that. And there's at least one kind of perspective that would lend itself to that, and that is the, what are you saying? They're not hearing some of the contextualization we're trying to do here to to, 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 to be careful to not say. So I, I don't hear what we're not saying. We're not saying that men are better than women. We're not saying that men are more important than women. Um, in fact, I think David went out of his way to talk about the importance that women bring with bringing beauty and life and those sorts of things in ways that men aren't equipped to do in the same way. So it's not about one being better than the other. There are just these different entities. And so in, in a analogy sort of a sense that's not biblical, it's just an analogy, if you're driving down the highway, and, and, um, it's got a lot of twists and turns and you're doing like 85 miles an hour and you had to give up your steering wheel or your brakes – which one would you choose? You wouldn't want to give up either. They're, right? they're both vitally important, but they're both different. The brakes don't do what the steering wheel does. The steering wheel doesn't do what the brakes does. It doesn't make one better or worse than the other. They're different. They have different roles, different purposes. When the people created the car, they created the brakes to help you stop. They created the steering wheel to help you navigate. Same thing. God has created men and women for particular purposes. And, you know, if you, if you ask the brakes to steer or the steering wheel to brake, I guess you could brake with your steering wheel by just swinging your, your wheel to the right and smashing into a tree and you will stop. So you could do that, but that's not the design. Uh, and the other thing is we're talking about, the, the, you know, all in the life of Christ. We all get to play the Christ role. Christ is the head of his church. And so the man in, in headship and the woman submitting to that uh, to, to that headship. Uh, Christ in the headship role is the male role, but the Son of God submits to the will of the Father. So Christ also submits, and so the woman gets to play the Christ role in her submission. So if Christ is willing to step into his role of headship, so too as men should be. And if Christ was willing to be uh, submissive, uh, submitting to the will of his Father, be in a position of being the one who submits, then women should be. If it's not too good for Christ, it's not too good for you. So hopefully those kinds of things uh, help to provide uh, a counterbalance to those who are you know, gnashing their teeth at the general topic last week and this week. Anyway, so thoughts from you guys. Well, I'd just like to add one of the first and probably foremost things that we see in the life of Jesus, Yeshua, our Messiah, is that he laid his life down for the sheep. He laid his life down. He said, I've come not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. So there is a dynamic within his heart and life that he completely died to self. He died to everything that would, uh, in his humanity. And yet, uh, as being God's representative, his actual likeness, his actual uh, of who, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we actually get to see uh, a demonstration where as a father or a husband to take on that role where you lay your life down for your wife, your children, and you wash them with the watering of the word and you do the things that would show that you're more concerned of their welfare in life, even to the expense of your own. Um, and within that dynamic, that motive, 
I think would go a long way to appeasing some of the possible abuses that have happened within the church and within society that instead of power grabbing and, and overbearing and lordship to the point where there's suffocation and they, you know, a woman would have to feel like I have to get out from underneath this. But if it was a good environment with the proper motives, I think it would be uh, a, a much different uh, outcome. Yeah. You have anything to add, David? Um, yeah, I, I think the only, the couple things to add, um, I'm sure we'll go into this more at a later time, but, uh, you know, when you try to do something that you're, that you're not good at or that you're not made for, it will, uh, you, you, you won't, you won't do well. It will be frustrating. It will be discouraging. Um, you know, and this is, this is, you know, goes both directions for, um, both, you know, both men and women. And, um, and, and when you, when you embrace what God has, has made you for, uh, that is where the most, uh, gratification and, um, you, you know, that, that is where you will, will find the most joy and, and glory. When you are doing what you were made to do, you're going to have a sense of accomplishment, purpose, and you're going to set yourself up to have an experience of thriving. And if you try to do what you weren't created to do, you're setting yourself for all sorts of of, of frustration and, and difficulty in your life. And life is difficult enough. So let's try to stay in our lanes and we'll have a better shot at shalom, right? Uh, so these are the last two. We're not going to have a lot of time to talk about them, but I'm going to, we're going to have a little bit of time, I think. Because this one, the second to the last one, is really long, and then the last one's kind of short. With half the world's population outside the reach of indigenous evangelism, with countless other lost people in those societies that have heard the gospel, with the stresses and miseries of sickness, malnutrition, homelessness, illiteracy, ignorance, aging, addiction, crime, incarceration, neuroses, and loneliness, no man or woman who feels a passion from God to make his grace known in word and deed need ever live without a fulfilling ministry for the glory of Christ and the good of this fallen world. We are convinced that a denial or neglect of these principles talked about in this statement will lead to increasingly destructive consequences in our families, our churches, and the culture at large. So we have about two minutes total left in this episode, and that's going to put a wrap on the Danvers statement. So, by the way, I might be the son of a prophet. Who knows? Um, <laughs> uh, final thoughts uh, on, on what was just read or just kind of closing thoughts on the Danvers statement in general? Okay, so I see a picture. Uh, you gave an illustration about the car the brake and the steering wheel. I see two vehicles. I see a dump truck that can call five tons of material, and I see a Volkswagen that can haul probably five cubic feet. Both can haul dirt. But if you put five tons of dirt in the Volkswagen, you'll squash it. You'll completely just, it'll just sit there. And it's the same thing. If we put more on than what we are made for, what we are designed for, what we are purposed for um, it it can become problematic so it's important that we understand our role we understand our purpose we understand uh, the calling and then learn and walk and be able to uh, see how that journey biblically how it looks out looks for and if and if a man thinks that he's going to give birth to a child he's going to get squashed with a dump truck load full of dirt. You got that right. <laughs>
Actually, that's a subject will be coming up pretty oh, soon. Probably so. <laughs> anyway, the, the one who said probably so and uh, <laughs> is still laughing in the background is David Forsey. Uh, we've been joined this week also uh, by uh, Stephen Yerger. Uh, they are pastors of house churches that meet in random locations all around the area. So if you want to find out what those are, reach out to me and I can connect with them and figure out how you can connect and hook up with them. I'm Troy Skinner. My church is Household of Faith in Christ. Uh, meet in Frederick. And if you're uh, interested in learning more about us, go to householdoffaithinchrist.com. We're going to be picking up with a Nashville statement in next week's show. And it piggybacks a little bit on some of the themes that were in the Danvers statement. They, they complement each other in, in many ways, particularly in the cultural moment within which we live. So we're doing that next week. Uh, until next week, when we do get together, May God bless you. That's going to be about, what, what, 167 and a half hours from now when we get together. Till then, one more time, God bless.